This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie and as always I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hello Maddie, in person today. It's very nice to be in your company. (laughs) And great to be in the company also of producer Sash today. Hello, can you hear me? Am I on the mic? We've got you, we've got you. Awesome. (laughs) Well after almost a year of recording, it's been far too few times that we've all sat in the same room together. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So today we're going to delve in to, I guess, what's kind of happening at the moment in terms of geopolitical events and affecting the stock market. So I guess touching on what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and then the flow on effects for global financial markets. And I guess at the start of this episode, we just wanted to acknowledge that, I mean, it feels a little bit icky when we know what's going on at the moment to be talking about the stock market like you know there are people's lives here and the world is changing you know forever and we're going to sit here and chat about the stock market but I guess on the flip side of that whilst we completely acknowledge that and feel that at the end of the day it also is impacting our portfolios and our money and our financial situation so I think it's good to also be across it and understand what's going on. Shed some light. Reporting on a different part, I guess. So I think a really good place to start with this is when we think about like how the world is at the moment, we're very globalized and we're very interconnected and we rely on, you know, other countries a lot. And that is why something like a war that's happening in Europe does have a flow on effect for, you know, the US and Australia. So I thought it'd be a good place to start to talk about like what actually does Russia provide for, I guess, the global system? Because it does give a bit of background on how that then has flow-on effects. And I guess to take another step back, it's like GDP is the monetary value of all the finished goods and services that a country produces, aka it's kind of like a scorecard for a country's economic health. And for some context, like the US makes up a really large part of that global output at about 24%. China makes up about 15%. And Russia with this 2%, it's actually a, it doesn't like 2% doesn't sound like a lot against the 24%, but it's actually quite a large amount. I guess it's kind of like you can think of it as market cap if we're thinking in like a con- company context like or it. investing context. So <laughs> I think like Facebook is the ninth largest company. I think Johnson & Johnson is 11. So like it's quite a significant contribution. So if you think about, say, like Apple is the number one company, so that kind of reflects the US, whereas like Johnson & Johnson, which would reflect Russia, which is like they're still producing billions of dollars for the economy. 
And then I guess the flow on effect of this is like thinking about exports, which is what's really playing out at the moment. So we're so globalized today. So countries really rely on each other. So when we're in a situation like we are now, that can have huge impacts on all aspects of the economy. For a country like Russia, their main exports um, consist of petroleum, which is petrol, coal, and they're actually the world's largest exporter of wheat. So these not only produce things that are a necessity for countries around the world, such as electricity, you know, providing heat during the winter, but they're also providing food sources. So when that is disrupted, it's not, you know, giving up discretionary item. It's actually disrupting what people need to live their daily lives. And I think it's important to think about Russia's key trade partners as well, because they're the ones who I guess are going to have the biggest impacts on them. So we're looking at China is one. We're also got a lot of countries throughout Europe. So the Netherlands, Belarus, Germany and Italy make up their sort of biggest partners. Similar as well with Ukraine. So they uh, export corn, iron ore, wheat and they are the world's largest exporter of seed oils so like your vegetable oils again all very necessity items so obviously we want to acknowledge that yes there is a humanitarian disaster going on and we're in a very privileged position that we can talk about the economic impacts but because in some form because we are global citizens and we are in a globalized world this affects us and that's why we want to stay informed so what are the financial impacts of something like a geopolitical event yeah well I think the first thing to think about that is really happening at the moment is inflation so remembering that inflation is a rise in the general price of goods and services and what we have at the moment is countries such as Russia that are a massive exporter of oil and gas and especially to one of their major partners is Germany so I think Russia supplies like 55 percent of Germany's gas and you know, this is a country that is coming out of winter. We're speaking, you know, early March. If they can't get gas, that's heating. That's And, you know, it's like an actual energy crisis that could potentially unfold here. Yeah. And I think also like in terms of like the oil supply, oil isn't just that everyday petrol that, you know, even we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing prices above yes. $2 in Australia, but it's also in so many other products that it has this kind of dramatic flow on effect. It's not only for, you know, energy, but it's just in so much. Like if you look, if you Google like what products has oil in it, it's so extensive. And then I think taking a step back again, like, when we did our first episode of this season and we talked about how inflation was really kicking in and what the impact of that was on the stock market. So at the start of this year, we heard that the US was sitting at about 7.5% inflation rate, which, you know, keeping in mind in Australia, we our target rate is 2 to 3%. Like inflation is very high at the moment. What you then have is like supply out of these countries that produce really important things being limited, which means the prices are going to go up because there's more demand, less supply. And it's kind of like central banks are in this really hard position right now where normally if inflation's high, they would increase interest rates, right? To try and slow it down, bring back the economy a little bit. But it's kind of in this conflicting position where You've got people who are incredibly impacted by what is going on in terms of the humanitarian crisis. And it's like, you don't want to be going around increasing increasing interest rates. When they're already struggling off the back of two years of COVID impacts, it's recovery that we need to see. And then all of a sudden this has stunted it as well. I think the other side of it in terms of we've spoken about oil and gas is that there's going to be food shortages because we've said that Russia is a huge exporter of wheat and Ukraine's a huge exporter of corn. And it means that 
in times where people then can't actually access such a necessity item, there can become like, yeah, political unrest and instability within these economies. And I guess, you know, we know the impact that political uncertainty can have on the stock market as well. So I guess the reason why we wanted to do this episode is because I think traditionally or historically when we've seen war, it's been very traditional war. Today, what we're seeing is a very different type of war. So you've obviously got Russia invading Ukraine, but what we're now seeing around the world is countries, the US, Europe, Australia, countries around the world are using finance as kind of like a weapon. And then the second part of that is corporates actually stepping up as well and responding and using the power that they have in this capitalist globalized world to make an impact as well. Yeah. So I think it would be good to break down and have a look at kind of what the both sides of the impacts are. So what governments are doing around the world and that impact, and also, I guess, what corporates are doing and what that impact has as well. So Johnny, give us a quick rundown, speaking sort of an overarching summary of some of the sanctions that we're seeing. Yeah. So I think it's really important to note that we're recording this on the 14th of March and we're giving a general overview. These things are changing very rapidly. So if you're listening to this at a later date, things might have changed. So probably first step, do you want to quickly give us a rundown? What is a sanction? So an economic sanction, which is what we're seeing imposed at the moment, is a withdrawal of usual trade and financial relations for foreign policy and or security purposes. So for example, it could be travel bans, it could be ban on certain exports, it could be trade restrictions. And the point of economic sanctions is they want to somehow, I guess, disable the economy from their normal course of business. So obviously, Mads, there's governments around the world that are contributing to this. So what are some of the sanctions that we have been seeing? Yeah, so we've got in the US, Joe Biden has banned all oil imports from Russia and gas, which is around 8% of total imports, so pretty significant. And then on that as well, the UK has also said that they're phasing out Russian oil imports by the end of 2022. But I think a really important part of this is that although the US obviously is you know one of the biggest economies in the world and what they do is really important at the moment the reaction from the EU is probably what is the most significant because they do rely on Russia the most they haven't had the same luxury to be able to say that we can ban all oil and gas imports because they do rely on it so heavily but they have been putting in sanctions around say the swift banking system to try and isolate Russia from being able to communicate with the rest of the world through money. Sash, I think you had a really good analogy when we were talking about it earlier. I was just thinking um, it's a bit like if you woke up in the morning and all your bank accounts were frozen, all your credit cards stopped working, you couldn't get onto your crypto account, you couldn't move things over, you weren't going to get your salary and you would literally be landlocked. Like i Think about how many things every day you touch. Here in Sydney, I'm using my card to touch on and off public transport, my Uber account. It's just amazing how much money actually makes a difference to your life as an individual. So they are doing this to an entire country. And then also on top of that, all these oligarchs and Putin himself. And that's where a huge amount of money is tied up in Russia. So you can understand why this is having a massive effect. So with all these sanctions in place and what's happening around the world, what have we really seen as the impact on the stock market? Yeah, so I think the first one is the value of their currency. So it's fallen around 30% against the US dollar, making it worth less than one US cent. So by devaluing their currency, it's really inhibiting their impact to, I guess, kind of operate with any countries outside themselves. 
The next one is interest rates and interest rates, is it up over 20% at the moment? So again, like making it extremely difficult for Russia to interact with anyone outside their own borders. All of these things have led to a complete stock market crash in Russia. So yeah, we actually saw the MOEX index, which was the Russian stock market drop. I think it was up to like 40% on the day that they invaded in Russia because obviously people were pulling their money out of the Russian stock market. And then when people are pulling their money out, it devalues. And this impact happened across global stock markets. So we've seen it Obviously, on the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ was already in a correction, which we did an episode about, but now it is still dropping across Europe in the ASX. It's interesting because it does depend on the industry that you are investing in with what the impact might be, because obviously, if you're investing in an oil company right now, a lot of those companies are taking a lot of profit, but there's going to be impacts, just broader impacts on every country and every company. And therefore, that's why we're seeing that, I guess, overall average drop. So I think that really sets up for us what is happening and why it is impacting our own portfolios. But we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to to chat more about the impacts of the actions that companies and corporates have been taking in response to the Russian invasion. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So the other really interesting aspect of this is that we're seeing companies obviously intervene and have a say about how they feel about this conflict. Yeah, I think, I mean, we touched on this before, but historically warfare has been very traditional. And I think now for the first time, obviously, Governments are doing what they can and want to in order to respond. But I think for the first time, you know, in this capitalist society that we have, we're actually seeing corporates and leaders being able to step up and respond as well. And in the world that we have today, very globalized, very interconnected, that can have ginormous impacts. I think a really interesting aspect that I have been reading about a lot is like, are corporates and leaders doing some of these things? Is it PR or is it, I guess, maybe genuine? Mm. And I guess there's two fo- like two parts of this, right? Because yes, obviously companies want to be seen to be doing the right thing and they want to have this image that, you know, everyone is supportive of. But I guess on the flip side, we've just talked about what's happened in Russia. We've got interest rates up at 20%. We've got the value of the currency has completely gone down. So actually the practical side of doing business in Russia right now, when it's really hard to get money in and out, you've got all your big accounting firms have shut down operations there. So, you know, if you're running a business there, how do you audit your business? I think the practical implications of actually conducting business in Russia 
has become extremely difficult, which means that, yes, there is a PR aspect, but there's also just the practicalities of it. Yeah, and I wonder if there's also the aspect of like if you're a company and you know that there's probably a huge portion of the Russian population that doesn't support this war, it's based off one very egocentric character, you know, does shutting down a restaurant impact him or does it impact the population in an unfair way? Yeah, I think I want to touch on that more. Is it impacting Russia or the Russian people? But I think let's talk about what some of co- some of the companies have been doing and then we can frame it. So companies that have made big moves. If you Google this, the list is actually endless and it falls under every single category of company that there is or industry. I think one of the most interesting things as well, and I think we should try and limit it to corporates for the purpose of today's investing conversation, but it's even so far spread as like F1 is no longer conducting their races in Russia. You've got stuff happening in soccer. Like it's completely unbelievable and amazing how widespread the changes have been. So some of the companies that I have seen that have kind of stopped services, which I find, you know, interesting. And then when you think about the the context of being in Russia, you know, you can no longer stream on Netflix. You can no longer stream on Spotify. If you go to the cinema, you cannot see a Disney movie. If you want to book an Airbnb and you need a place to stay, you cannot book an Airbnb. And then it also flows onto the other effects of, you know, plane companies like Airbus and Boeing. They're actually stopping the production and supply of airplane parts. Same with a lot of companies like Toyota, Ford and Volkswagen. So it's kind of seeing this like monumental shutdown of services that people, you know, use every day. We did a post on our Instagram about Airbnb and I think the flip side of this is actually being able to see what the incredible work that countries are doing as well to support Ukraine. And we saw that people were using Airbnb. This was so heartwarming. People were using Airbnb to book accommodation in Ukraine that they weren't planning on going to, but as a way to actually, I guess, feed money to people in to people in Ukraine and people stuck there. Other companies that we've seen that have shut down is like even in the consumer staples, like the restaurant industries. McDonald's is a really good example. They have 850 restaurants in Russia and they shut down all of their operations because of a push from a very large retail investor in McDonald's to do so. So again, when we were chatting about the fact that we kind of like as investors have power here, that's a really clear example of how a shareholder can actually influence the decisions of a company. I think this is a good time to touch on that. Is this affecting Russia or the Russian people? Mm. Because you can see how where companies are limiting or punishing oil and gas and things like that, that that impacts Putin. And you can kind of, you know, you can see that link. But I think where it gets a little bit more convoluted is this story of McDonald's, for example, where it's like McDonald's is giving food to Russian people. And, you know, like you said, we've got one person, Putin, and people around him who might be supporting what's going on. But there's a whole lot of people in this country too. And it's kind of hard to draw the line or distinguish between what is impacting Putin and what's going to have an impact, like what's going to discourage what's going on at the moment versus what's just straight up impacting the Russian people. Yeah, and it is a really fine line. I mean, Sash before gave the analogy of, you know, Russia being quite isolated and even companies like, for example, Visa, MasterCard, Amex stopping their services, it actually means that nothing can almost be bought online and then if nothing can be bought with inside the country, like it's just this almost dramatic really dramatic and really fast effect on the Russian people, which 
doesn't necessarily happen in traditional warfare when you have governments against governments rather than bringing this element of the corporate having so much power. Yeah, it's definitely a new age of warfare. Mm. I think one thing that I read about, which I really want to touch on because I think it's incredibly interesting, is we think about companies like Apple who have come out and said they're no longer going to sell their products in Russia. And I was reading this thing that was talking about, well, if Apple's no longer going to sell iPhones in Russia, what phones are people going to use? And it was this idea of, well, maybe this is a really interesting opportunity for China to come in. Because if all of these Western countries are removing their products from the country, well, it's going to be replaced by someone. And I think China has been very careful about how they've talked about the conflict and going on in that they haven't actually directly condemned Russia. It is a really interesting argument because we've always depended on the West for a lot of our products and services. And this could be a potential, I guess, geopolitical shift that we haven't seen in a very long time. So I guess by talking about China there, it's like shifting to what is the broader impact on the stock market and what are we going to see going forward? I think this is so interesting because as we've already like mentioned that when there's such political unrest and uncertainty, we're always going to see negative impacts to the stock market and people are asking, you know, is this a good time to buy because there's a dip, but is it going to last a long time? And unfortunately, the uncertainty is kind of unknown with this stuff. So I think one, I think there's many ways to think about this. And one of them is that like broader aspect that there's uncertainty. Another aspect that I'm really thinking about is, you know, we've just spoken about how corporations are pulling out of China. And I think it's really interesting to watch how particular stock prices are changing and if they will change depending on their response to the Russian situation. If you have a company that doesn't actually condemn what they're doing, are you going to see a rise in their stock price because they're still keeping their revenues going in Russia or are you going to see a fall in their stock price because investors are going to sell because they don't align with what they're doing? How are you thinking about investing at the moment? Like speaking personal now, like are you still buying at the moment or are you pausing it? How are you feeling about it all? I am still buying because, you know, we always talk about the fact that we really need to have a routine. Well, it works for us to have a routine um, to invest consistently. And I think at the end of the day, there's been many political events that have happened in the past and the stock market does recover. It's just this uncertain period. So I'm still dollar cost averaging in. I'm moving more into the ETF space because I feel like it's a bit more of a safer space for me at the moment. But on the same token, if you've got a lot of conviction in a company that you've invested in the past or it's something new that you're looking at, it is also potentially a good buying opportunity whilst the price has fallen. Yeah. I think about how often when I'm looking at stock prices, how much I go back to March 2020 and I look at the price then and I'm like, wow, it was so low at that point and look how far it's come since then. So I personally learned a lot from investing throughout COVID when there was quite a lot of uncertainty because even though my portfolio is down a little bit at the moment, I still have made overall quite a bit of money. And I think it's because of that COVID period. I got in when I started investing then. So I averaged in a lot over that period where the stock market was lower. I'm really trying to remember that now because there's a lot of uncertainty and like it's nowhere near as much fun when I'm going into my portfolio and everything's red. Mm -hmm. But I'm going all in on ETFs. I'm trying to stay as consistent as possible in the hope that over time we'll see the same recovery that we've seen historically with stuff like this and it will pay off in the long run. But I did want to mention that like 
feeling really uncertain and uncomfortable during this time is like so normal. I even feel it as well. Like when my paycheck comes in, that's when I usually invest. And I've had a bit of hesitation over the past couple of months because it is really, I guess, there's a huge psychological effect when you can see money going down and you're going, oh, I'm putting it into something that might keep going down. But that's why during these periods, if you don't feel as comfortable, you can always alter your routine a little bit just to make it fit into how you're feeling like, I just wanted to say that I, I feel like it's really normal, you know. It's like really easy to come on mic and say like, oh, yeah, you should still invest. But yeah. like we all are feeling kind of uncomfortable with this situation at the moment. So I guess during a time like this we all really want to stay informed. Mads, what are some of the resources that you're using at the moment to, I guess, stay on top of like the latest news? Yeah, The Daily by The New York Times has been releasing I mean, some pretty moving and heart-wrenching but extremely informative episodes. I'm listening to that religiously every day because I think finding it's really keeping me up to date. Also, one of our favorite podcasts, the FT News Briefing, has got some really interesting information on, I guess, kind of what we touched on today, like the financial impacts of what's going on and the broader economic impacts of what's going on and how it's affecting Europe, the US, which, I mean... (laughs) By association, Australia. They're not really talking about Australia, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Sash, I know that you always bring new recommendations even to us. What are some of the things that you're listening to or, I don't know, even reading that are helping you stay informed? Yeah, well, I'll give a couple. First of all, I've been listening to the BBC World Service because I think The Daily is excellent. I, I listen to that as well, but it's great to have kind of the other side of the ocean's perspective mm. on um, on this and because they are quite different culturally, yeah. the way that the UK cover things as opposed to the US. Um, I'm going to give a little plug to Equity Mates and say go listen to the Bill Browder episode with mm. uh, the guys and then go read Red notice I think if you really want to get I know Manny's just finished it and um, we were talking about it in the lift before but I think if you really want an understanding of Putin and Russia that's a really good book to read and then a bit of a a bit of a left-hand turn but I've been listening to the Pivot podcast with Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher and they just have a really interesting perspective on what you guys were talking about with the corporate responsibility um, and how capitalism can be used to change minds as well. So I think that one's not necessarily Russia focused, but there's been some really interesting conversations about what you guys were talking about just then. We will also make all of this information available on our Facebook group. We'll put together a bit of a list and we'll also be putting a link there where you can donate if you do want to support Ukraine during this time. We would love to also hear what resources you are using and what you are finding helpful. So please jump in our Facebook group and join the conversation there. We are always wanting to, I guess, expand our resources. That's YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. You can also join us on Instagram at YIGC Podcast. And we will catch you next week. Bye. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.